0: Whether you're starting out, settling into or scaling up your freelance business, navigating the ever-changing marketplace can be challenging. That's why the Freelance Heroes portal is the best place for you. On top of the essential practical support and resources available, the Freelance Heroes community provides moral support too, to help you go it alone without feeling alone. We like to think of the community as virtual business sidekicks, always there when you need them. For greater presence and support to help your freelance business grow, join Freelance Heroes. And right now, you can also try out our Gold Membership for one month for free. Sign up today at freelance-heroes.com.
1: Hello, Ed here, and welcome to the Freelance Heroes podcast. Now, I had a dream when I was young that I wanted to be a rock star. Uh, maybe it wasn't so much of a dream because I didn't want it. I didn't put any effort. And I admire those who do work tirelessly, living life on the road, going from pub to venue to club, performing often in front of a handful of people bearing their soul on stage with their music and their lyrics and today I'm talking to Paul Henshaw who's a folk artist although he defines himself differently as you're about to find out uh, and talks about why he went into music what having a music career means to him and the impact of 2020 upon that career too and stay tuned because after my chat with Paul I have a little festive surprise for you too enjoy. There we go, we're in, we're recording. Yeah. Just got red. <laughs> it, was just, it was just that delay. I thought, no, I'm not, I'm not gonna start talking until it's telling me I'm recording. Uh, there's 2020 for you. Shrewsbury's finest, Paul Henshaw. How are you doing? Marvellous, how are you? All right, thank you. So let's deal with the big question of the day. Is it Shrewsbury <laughs> or Shrewsbury? Shrewsbury. Okay, cool. Thank you very much. I, I... Um, thanks for thanks for <laughs> thanks for tuning in and look yep. forward to chatting to you again Bye-bye. soon. <laughs>
2: I actually I, I played a gig um, where there was uh, an official debate about the naming of the town, um, and <laughs> but it was very typical because it, it's you you pronounce it different ways depending on which side of the river that you were born. If if you were born in the posh side, it's Shrewsbury, and if you were born in the in cheap side, like me, it's Shrewsbury. Um, but I I I played a gig. <laughs> and it was at Rowley's Mansion, it was a museum in the centre of Shrewsbury, and I nearly called it Shrewsbury then for some
1: reason. <laughs> that would have backfired. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but um, yeah, I played this gig, and the, um, the Shrewsbury contingent turned up and put this phenomenally well thought out, based in medieval law, reasoned argument as to why it's called Shrewsbury, even though there's no O in it, there's an E and and then i i played about six or seven songs and then the shrewsbury guy who who worked at the college plotted a uh, a uh, a pub crawl that he'd been on and all of the characters that he'd met in the pubs and didn't talk about the naming of shrewsbury whatsoever until the last line when he went and it's called shrewsbury all right and then it went to a vote and shrewsbury won
1: I, I love it. I love it. I, I wasn't sure if you were gonna go if you're on the um if you're the other side of the river, then it's Shrewsbury, if you're on the Posh side, it's Telford. Um but uh
0: yeah
1: <laughs> that's that's gonna alienate some of my listeners, but I couldn't resist hey. the gag. Right, okay, so um I know Paul because um he may be from Shrewsbury, but he's not a million miles away from where I am in Cambridgeshire. And he performed at a folk club that I started earlier this year. Um, But we're going to talk about this year in a little while. What I want to do is, I guess, start by introducing you to those who don't know who you are and ask you the question that I've come to understand is the worst question to ever ask a musician, which is please describe your music.
2: Thanks. Yeah, um, it is the it is the worst question, because I I think that the biggest problem with why it's the worst question is the fact that we spend an enormous amount of time trying to market ourselves in a way and uh, in in specific pigeonholes and with specific labels and 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 in the end what happened i i decided to just make a genre myself that nobody else is in um although lots of people in so i'm a riot folk singer um because I kind of like the idea. Actually, I stole that from somebody else. Somebody else said, "Oh, you you sound like really riot folk," and I nicked it. But um, uh, yeah, so I'm a singer songwriter. I've got a band that plays uh, songs. I predominantly write songs about me. <laughs> I'm really egotistical there, but that I can I can I can write truthfully if I'm writing about me. So
1: that's, why is that that's egotistical?
2: The, I don't know. I just think. I would saying probably a bit up my own ass if they go,
1: what's this song about? <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, well, yeah, but, you know, there's been it's been happening for years. You can't all be oh, writing yeah. songs about other people otherwise. Um, but, no, I, I don't get it's egotistical. I think it's great. Um, and uh, the first album I got was Five Compass Lighthouse. And I, and I guess we'll, we'll chat about that um, in a moment. I, I like the idea of riot folk. There's an element of it's not quite punk. But yeah. it's, it's kind of maybe where punk should be, arguably. Um, and uh, uh, and I guess, you know, I'm thinking when you say right Folk, my first band that comes to my head is someone like Million Dead um, yeah. and someone along those lines. But anyway, this is a freelance podcast, not a music podcast. So <laughs> if you want a music podcast, go to NME. Right. Um, so Or there, don't ask us to already? label your music. <laughs> oh, well, no, but then because isn't digital music easier because i'm in the old days of record shops you you had to be labeled although there were probably less um labels to attribute but you had to be labeled you couldn't have a copy of paul henschel's album sitting in folk and sitting in punk and sitting in rock it had to sit in one place whereas now you can add a multitude of tags to your music that enables you to be seen by a wider wider audience right
2: definitely definitely it's a You know, I I used I I remember the time when I used to save me pocket money and go and buy singles, and you know I'd I'd buy like an Iron Maiden song, you know uh, it's it's actually one of my songs talking about going and buying The Trooper by Iron Maiden. But I I remember that, and even though Iron Maiden were a massive band at the time, I had to go and order that from Durant's Records in Shrewsbury. I'm really conscious about how, how I'm saying it now. <laughs> <laughs> you you've completely ruined me forever, Truth Um
1: I'll see if I can edit the podcast later on, just to kind of, you know, twinge, twinge the word if you get it, if you decide to change your pronunciation. Thank you.
2: Thank um, you. But I, I think I think the, the the biggest difference in music, although everything's a lot more accessible now which is great for people that are at my level because we can produce music we can get it out on a global scale um you know so there's listeners in new zealand and australia and india and america and canada and all that sort of thing which years ago we just never would have been able to do it's a lot more it, it, well just by by those being the boundaries it's now a diy music scene because anybody who's pretty much get signed to a label. I mean, they've, they've got an album to to land and to hit and to to be big. There's There's not, I don't think there's the investment in music long term anymore. You know, people used to get signed for five album deals because the third one might have got, might start making money by the third one. And then the fourth one might be the classic or, you know, and there's always exceptions to the rule. But I think record labels work like that more than they do well they don't it just doesn't happen like that
1: no sadly um so let's talk about you then um let's i guess let's go back because this is about you being a musician this being your career and of Mm -hmm. course how 2020 has impacted that so i guess we need to start at the beginning of your musical journey Tell us how, I don't know where it starts. I mean, I was born in, but probably more, probably better place to start, I would suspect.
2: Yeah. Um, I I grew up around music. My dad was a a drummer in a skiffle band and was really into jazz and taught me to see really, like, gigs. I used to go kicking and screaming to them, but they were, like, really big jazz names, like uh, Buddy Rich and Louis Belson and the National Youth Jazz Orchestra that's got music sort of everywhere, you know um and my mum was a singer she was a, a singer with a, a family in a four-part harmony group a sister and a brother and a dad and so i grew up around music and i was always encouraged to get into uh playing an instrument singing or there, there was always something going we weren't like the von traps you know it, it wasn't that it wasn't that sickening <laughs> it was <laughs> we, we'll encourage you if you want to do something and I went to, I actually told somebody the story the other day. I went to, a, it was a musical soiree, it was called, right? Um, and the family were called the Simcox, and they lived quite close, but they were into motorcycle racing like my mum and dad were. And they had a musical evening, and there was a guy there who looked like Billy Connolly. Um, he smoked cigarettes with one strand of tobacco through them. Yeah. And he played the he played an acoustic guitar and he played Close the Cold House Door by Alex Glasgow. And I didn't actually know that that was the song, but it stuck in my mind. I was six, maybe seven years old, and it stuck in my mind until about three years ago. And I could still remember the chorus. And I thought. I've got Spotify now. I'm going to go and try and find that song, and it came up Alex Glasgow, this guy from Sunderland or Durham or up, up north, um, who sang this fabulous song called "Close the Coal House Door." And and I, but as a six-year-old, I just fell in love with music. That that this guy who smoked really thin roll-ups and looked like Billy Connolly looked looked really cool, could silence a room by playing a song, and and I was just I was mesmerised by it. Um, so then, you know, I went through the normal, get married, do stuff like that, be in bands at college, was in bands after college, probably in a band which destroyed the first marriage. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, and and got signed to Revolver Records years ago in a punk band and uh, talked about the place and made a couple of albums with them, stuff like that, in a band called Jonas. Um I'll get you the CDs because they're actually, they're quite good. <laughs> um, yeah, and 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 did that. And then sort of fell out of love with music until about 10 years ago. And then I was working for a big American corporation and living in a flat in Cardiff while I was working away. I, like My family were in Shropshire and I used to go away all week. And I was so bored with watching reruns of Phoenix Nights in the office, I decided to buy an acoustic guitar. And try and reteach myself to play guitar, and and that was it. I was I was like, where well, I've missed this so much, um, and that was it. And it just so, kind so of how long connected.
1: gap was that between you kind of between you stopping with Jonas and and you know being in Cardiff and picking up the guitar oh. again? Ten years. Wow. Yeah. So, so
2: yeah, I never, I never played
1: anything for <laughs> ten years. And <clears throat> during so when so i mean i'm i'm taking from this that there was this always this plan that music was going to be your your business your life um this is what you were going to do it wasn't going to be a hobby it was going to be a you know dive in the deep end kind of relationship with music
2: and there, so, there was always it the, was always the dream but it took quite a while to work out how i could turn it into my <laughs> job
1: And um, you then turn it into a job and 10 years ago you pick it up again and, and, and off you go with your journey what, what did you what were your aspirations when you decided that you fell in love with it again um, and you were going to go right this is this is it one more time what, what I mean where did you where did you hope I mean where do you hope obviously there's still many years ahead but what What are your what were your aspirations then and have they changed
2: that they've never changed uh, uh, the goal was always to make enough money from music to live and, and I
1: that, mean this might so of course the natural question that follows that is have you uh, up until this year yeah <laughs> <laughs> well but you had I mean you were on that trajectory yeah. up until um, obviously you released this album um, Five Compass Lighthouse last that's year, 3rd, last year um, yeah. which um is uh which is a brilliant album a beautiful album actually in fact um and um and obviously the end of the year and and the gigs leading up to it were all about promoting it and uh and then you had that so with the album being released in november 2019 and you know you've then embark on a on a journey to promote it and everything else what were your goals so we're recording this now in the weekend before christmas day We're all feeling a little bit flat. um, As it's on the Sunday, (laughs) might feel a little bit happier if it was on the Saturday. But there you go. What were your aspirations for twenty twenty?
2: To be honest, twenty nineteen. The played played Glastonbury last year, um, and it was the the trajectory was really nice. You know, there was years of hard work um, because there's a lot of people that. Do what I do, so there's a lot of competition. Um, although we don't actually, it, it's a weird kind of competition because we are all kind of in the same boat, but we are all fighting for so many festival slots, you know, um, which is a bit of a weird scenario at times. But we've done a lot of work. I mean, I I sort of set separate like social. Sorry, media just got
1: uh, I got I, I I'm desperately trying not to interrupt, but I was beaten by my own curiosity. When you say it, it's a bit of a an interesting situation at times, what do you mean? I understand uh, I the mean, competition for the, but what, but what makes it such a kind it, of, you know, challenges at times?
2: I think that the festival level, that uh, sounds terrible, but the level of festivals that, you know, are your bread and butter festivals that you play and the venues that you play not in festival season and things like that. There's there's a grassroots all in it together mentality that is that is the core of of all of those venues and all of those festivals and the people behind it. However, you you then have a group of you know these are hypothetical numbers maybe two hundred people fighting for thirty festival slots. Now, whereas you know, in our, in, and I'm sure in art, a lot of people are very much we're all in this together, we will help other people, you know, musicians help each other and, and stuff like that. There's that imposed competition that you, <laughs> sometimes you feel that you can't really talk about. Yeah, it's it's, it's a very weird. It's, it's a weird line to walk sometimes because you do you do see Um, it's going to sound terrible but you do you see people on some festival bills and you know they're they're there they're doing their thing and there is sometimes an element of going I don't get that I don't understand that
1: you don't understand what how they got on the bill
2: uh yeah or that I just don't get what they're doing I'm digging
1: myself a hole here. It's no, here. no, no, I think you're not. I think because I, I you know, it, you feel that it might be a bit crude for you to say it like this, but I, I'm fairly confident that there are many who aren't talking about it who are certainly thinking it. So um, oh, I, yeah. don't, I, think I, yeah, I don't <laughs> think it's crude at all. I think it's, it's quite open. Um, so, OK, let's go back then to your plans for this year. OK,
2: it was... That a lot of we finished the the year on a high. We had a really good. I had a really good album. Um, a lot of people bought the album. A lot of people that that album. Yeah. Um, we followed that up. or I followed that up. Um, with a um a duet album that that wasn't even planned. It was just it was the the violin player from Ferocious Dog who were, uh, you know, a few rungs above where I am um, always got on really well with Dan the, um, the the violin player he liked songs that I wrote uh, and we decided to go and do like a short tour as a duo um, and then he messaged me one day and said and actually he, he kind of mirrored thing, something that I'd been thinking about and, and I was trying to work out a way of how we would bring it up in conversation and he said we need a product, we should do an album. And I was like, get in, didn't have to ask. <laughs> um,
1: and this is so Revisit, with, which was, yeah, which was well, released this year.
2: Yeah, that was uh, January, February in 2020. So the the whole of uh, the back end of 2019, that was being talked about. So we had Five Compass Lighthouse a tour. It went down really well. There was some really good gigs on there. Some nice sort of one day of festivals. Um, then the duet album, um, I had um, a full month support tour with a band called Bold, um, who um, Marshall, who's the guitarist in New Model Army, it's his, it's not his side project, it's it's another band that he's in, but he plays guitar and sings. Um, lovely, lovely people, and, and I was really looking forward to that. And... The only date that I wasn't doing was the last date because I picked up with the new cranes. Then it was reformed after 20 odd years. And then I was going to do 10 date tour with them. I had a project that I still can't talk about, even though it should have happened six months ago. And I can't talk about it because it still might happen. <laughs> I'm, I'm, just, I'm not jinxing it. That um, was that was massive, you know. Uh, and. And that was basically up as far as August. And then there was a few festivals. And during the early part of the year, obviously, a—you know Dan and me had talked about doing another tour towards the end of the year. Um, it was going to be like four dates. It was going to be four corners of the, the country, basically. So Glasgow, Nottingham, somewhere down south and somewhere, in, you know, just running about. Um, and that was it. We... Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then someone pulled under you.
2: everything got cancelled in 48 hours so, was.
1: so before we come on to 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 what changed um and i think to help add some contest it'd be nice if we heard um some of your music uh, in a moment but i've got a crude question to ask you first okay. of all i'm not going to ask you of course how much you make because that's in, that's uh, rude um and i don't really care But what I want to understand from a musician's perspective is with the launch of a CD, I want to try and understand the importance of being able to promote that CD and the importance of gigs. Could you give us an understanding of how your income is broken down between gigs, merchandise, CDs and anything else from a percentage perspective rather than from a value? Yeah,
2: Um, I'd say... 60% 60% is live work, um, 30% is um, merch, so CDs, t-shirts, and whatever we can, <laughs> whatever, like fluffy cows, or like high, high healing coos that we've done this <laughs>
1: year, Um, that, so, that, And that's sold at the festival, and that 30% is combining the sales on your website and sales at the festival? Yes. OK, yeah.
2: um,
1: so that the then, 10%. Uh, is 10 percent.
2: It's kind of sundry. It It's bits of uh, royalties um, and various just odds and sods. Bits of music that comes in
1: and digital downloads.
2: Um, I would say uh, like
1: <laughs> oh, and I don't by that. I don't mean the ones directly from your website. I'm talking about, you know, kind of, yeah. you know, Apple music. I, I Spotify, cetera, yeah. Yeah. Um
2: as a split between hard copy, I'd, I'd say that the again, the the people that go to the festivals and the venues and the whole grassroots scene, um, the audience, you know, quite a big percentage of them understands that we make money off CDs. We don't make money off streams we don't make as much money off digital um of downloads. And and the whole Spotify thing kind of get, you know, and I do it, I, I dislike Spotify. I still dislike Spotify. Um but I love the fact that I can listen to God knows how much music for 15 quid a month or 10 pound mm-hmm. a month or actually for no money a month because my girlfriend pays that bill. I pay, I, I pay the um, I play the the Netflix and the Photoshop
1: one. <laughs> so, um, but so, so I guess there's an element of listen to it down, but then you know go to the website and yeah. buy, it, or you know go to Bandcamp on one of their. They've been more supportive, of course. Bandcamp, which are their much. free Fridays as well, which has has been great. Okay, so we're then, now sorry, to-
2: just, sorry, just to cut in the audience. You know, there's a like i was saying, there's a very high percentage of the audience that come to gigs that I play at or festivals that I play at. They um, they they get that. They'll have the Spotify on their phone in the car, but ninety percent of them have a CD as well, uh, and they know that that keeps us going. You know, the the audience is unbelievably supportive.
1: I mean, I I I, I have this uh, the CD five. Compass Lighthouse, um, which um, I bought when it was released, and I listened to it, and then as soon as it was out on Spotify, this hasn't left its box because I listened to it on Spotify. Yeah. But I still, you know, still bought Revisit. Um, actually, no, you gave me Revisit, but that doesn't count. Um, <laughs> but I still, but I, I, I understand that. But I think that's music fans for you who understand kind of yeah. the value of your art, etc. Um, all right. So it, the, the reason for that question is is to understand. Okay, sixty percent of your income is live music. It, sorry, is uh, is from festivals. Thirty percent is from merch that you sell at festivals. So ninety percent of your income had been taken when um, when COVID hit or when lockdown hit back in March.
2: Initially, yeah.
1: So let's talk about what happens next. But let's have some music first. Okay. Um, and, 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 I, and I, you know, it was, uh, I, I've no idea what song you're going to play. Um, I'm, do you want me to tell it? Yeah. Well, yeah, please. <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm going to play,
2: I, I'm going to play a song that, I, not that, it, it's going to sound really bad if I if I say that I thought it was throwaway, but it was a song that I completely wrote for me, that over lockdown, as I've been told lots and lots of times the, the chorus lyrics have, have really meant a lot to people. Um, and it's a song called The Road to Kromlov, And I wrote it when I was um, on tour in the Czech Republic. Um, I was going through a divorce. I was miserable yet happy, if you can be that way. But I was. it was November and I was in the Czech Republic and it was snowing and I didn't know where I was and I was miles from home and i wrote a song so it's not it's not like a throwaway song but it was something that i wrote for me not for anybody else um and the fact that lockdown has appeared to have had it, it's had it's the song that's kind of risen through all of the songs on five compass lighthouse it's the one that people have gone that's the one that like it's, it it encapsulates lockdown and what i miss
1: So so was this, when you wrote this, was this with the intention of it not appearing on an album?
2: Um, I I could probably say that for 99% of the songs that I write, which is bizarre, considering one of the things I do is record albums and press them and sell them. But I never, there's only one song recently and that's heads hearts and voices that i've written specifically for a reason and and i wrote that for a, a show gig opener um which was the sole reason that i wrote that song um everything else is they're songs that they they just kind of need writing or they happen and and then i work out if they're going to fit on an album or not <laughs>
1: so and and i must say what a show opener that is too okay so the road to krumlov then obviously you're going to be a true yeah. musician and decide not to tune your guitar in before we do the podcast you're going to tune it in now aren't you no i've done it oh well i take it all back this will be a first <laughs> and i've done about 15 music podcasts in addition to this where tuning always takes place during the show yeah
0: <laughs> no, which I, I, shall,
1: I shall mute myself take it away okay it's out of tune now, of course.
0: I passed on the road between Prague and somewhere. Oh, I tried to pronounce it, but my brain and math just won't work. Just bought some fuel and a sandwich which doesn't look long dead. Oh, I love these adventures, the loneliness makes me a jerk. And know that I've sunk that sparkling bridge in a lighthouse. And it's not the location that made you feel like I'm away. It's the absence of faces you love, and hello mates, and haze, and hugs. I can't wait to be back on that road to Crumblox someday Fall into a car park of a shop which looks just like Aldi's I've got four hours to load in, but it feels like four days So I type in my postcode to the satnav to kill a few moments And I'm sad to see that I'm more than a full day away A sparkling bridge and a lighthouse, but it's not the location that made me feel like I'm away. It's the absence of faces you love and hello mates, haze hey, and hugs. But I can't wait to be back on that road to prom on day from lots of day I,
2: I remember the chords that time, right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Not seen the face that I know it won't seem like a lifetime. And the underground kick that I'm playing just looks like a shed. For after two hours of sing alongs with more vodka shots than I should drink, I'll be out to a out to Summer some of her friends. I don't know that I've thought about a sparking bridge in a lighthouse, but it's not the location that made me feel like I'm away. It's the absence of faces you love and hello mates and hazy hearts. I can't wait to be back on that road to crumble some day. I can't wait to be on the road to crumble someday yeah. some day. Yeah.
1: Fantastic. Me. Thank you very much. I well. did get it wrong. <laughs> yeah, well, not that anyone would notice, quite frankly. Just a it was <laughs> We were in, no doubt. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> um, and it's, uh, I, I love it. I mean, it's, it's, it's that line, you know, it's not the location that makes me, f- sorry, so I know that I've sung about sparkling bridge and a lighthouse. It's not the location that makes me feel like I'm away. Um, it's the absence of faces you love and hello mates and hey yous and hugs, but I can't wait to be back on that road to Krumlov someday, which is an absolute brilliant metaphor for how 2020 has been for us. So obviously we knew um, on, I can't remember exactly, it doesn't really matter, 16th of March that we were going into a complete lockdown and that this is something that wasn't gonna go away anytime soon. But given that it represented such a huge part of your income, Um, and your goal to be sustainable from your music what was what changed immediately how were you during that were you you know fight or flight mode Um, uh, and I say that as well because anyone who listens to five compass lighthouse will know how much mental health plays a part in your lyrics and how you feel about it too so I want to understand where you were at when the lockdown hit and then let's go from the journey from there.
0: I think
2: I was, I, I did, I did quite well. I, I say that I did quite well. I probably buried my head in the sand for a couple of months thinking, you know, this, the, maybe the, the May and June stuff, that's going to happen. We'll get, we'll get through this and, and we'll be all right. And it was sort of over the first six or eight weeks. Um, I was thinking this is going to go on for, a lot longer, um, and we should actually, <laughs> we should probably do something. I, I, I've done a couple of live shows. Stream- I did a live stream before lockdown happened because I played a gig in Stoke on I think it was March the twelfth, so it was before the lockdown was announced. Um, and there was there was a few people who messaged and said, "We're we're not coming tonight. It's it's not safe. We don't know what's going on." And I thought, God, this, you know, really. Um, so I, I was probably, like I say, burying my head in the sand a little bit about how serious it was. Um, but Angie, my girlfriend, had said, do a live stream for those people to do a live gig. And I thought, I've never done one of them. Yeah, let's have a, a, so we did it. So actually we did, we did a live stream on the, I think it was the Thursday, wasn't it, that the lockdown kicked off. I did a live stream on the Wednesday night. Um and you know, and other people live stream. I'm not. I'm not trying to take credit for inventing the live stream in way anyway, because I didn't. I just. I'm just glad I got mine in first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm joking. Um. And and then I could. I slowly saw things, sort of dropping away and, and going. Okay, well, you know that those gigs are cancelled. and Those gigs are cancelled. And this is off. And. And we're looking a little bit further out now, you know, everything in May is gone. Uh, This project that I was talking about in June was that that can't happen. Festivals are cancelled left, right and centre. So by the time we got to about, um, I'd, I'd say sort of eight weeks after the lockdown started, I was thinking this is, you know, this is actually really serious now because it's the you know, you, you picked up on it earlier on, like, like 90% of the income was going to disappear. And that's because, you know, OK, we do sell stuff on online, um, T-shirts and CDs and things like that. But the, the majority of like merch that we sell is at a gig. So you take the gig away and the merch automatically stops or, or what we found was reduced quite a lot. Um, And then we sort of got a bit of a glimmer of hope and I I played a festival that was outside. It was called The Gig in a Field up in Doncaster, um, which was fabulous and really emotional because I kind of knew that was the one time I was going to stand in a field with all these festival goers that I know. (laughs) It was weird um, because I played in the afternoon and I'll be honest. I, I throw absolutely everything into the set as as usual, um, but I just felt that I, d- I didn't want that to end. I, I didn't want it to finish. So I, I spoke to um, a, a really, really lovely guy called Andy Brader, who goes to festivals and gigs. And I said, you know, because it was all curfewed and it was all socially distanced, and there was a like I think a nine o'clock curfew on the on the venue. And I said quarter past nine, like, are you stopping? He's like, yeah, I'm in the camper van. I went, right, quarter past nine, I'll come and do a gig for you. And he's like, really? And I went, yeah, just shout songs out and and if I know them, I'll play them and if they're my songs, then you can shout at me for not knowing them. So, I went and stood in, just outside the, his awning, in pitch black and, and, you know, there was probably about 25 people there at the end, just sort of sat round and, I think I played for about another hour and three quarters, or two hours, or something like that. So just, just didn't want it to end, you know. Um, and that was that was probably a, that was probably a moment where I went, "This this year's
1: bollocks." <laughs> okay. remind me, what part of this year are we in, now? This is June time. Okay, so this is after lockdown, but knowing full well, well after that initial lockdown, but knowing full well that nothing was going to change. Yeah. dramatically for as a musician um has any support been made available to you
2: um yeah there's as the, the self employed uh, grants um but as a musician you know you said to me earlier on what was the um what was the goal of been uh, which was make enough to live you know it's uh, i used to be i used like uh, i said previously i used to be like quality supplier quality go through a big american corporation with a really big salary and, and a really big car and a benefits package that you know to die for and stuff like that and i became a musician because because i i it's gonna sound really corny but because i had to because if i didn't do it then yeah you know, so i i took a 95 90 pay cut when i left that job to become a musician in the first place um so instead of spending two and I three grand a month on entertaining myself or my family with the mass, the massive salary I removed the thing that was causing me the issue, which was the whole corporate lifestyle. And all of a sudden I didn't need that money <laughs> to, to entertain myself and make make people smile because I was so bloody miserable the rest of the time because I was doing something I hated.
1: But no one would. But I understand that. But at the same time, you know, and that's fair enough. And, you know, the <clears throat> there are others who who um haven't had access to to funding as well and i totally understand that philosophy behind it but at the same time you know this is with the plan of being self-sufficient through your music but with a whopping great brick wall in front of you
2: oh yeah it's 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 not it's not been sustainable at all so you 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 decided not
1: to take the. so you still decided not to take the support from the government that was available to i'm not criticizing you generally generally not criticizing you i'm just trying to understand your mindset through that
2: i i took the first one okay um and then the second and third i haven't
1: no that's fair enough and and i thank you for being so, so honest there too but i think so without that obviously without that support things would have been very different you then embraced, you've embraced the gigs, the, the online streamings. I've seen the, the yeah. level of, you know, your, your online streams have been, but you look like you generally enjoy them too. But how do you cope with not hearing the round of applause at the end? Or or, he, or even the heckling? I mean, no one enjoys yeah. the heckling, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> I imagine I'm... you would take heckling over silence. It, it's It's very... <laughs>
2: Uh, it's it's again. It's a it's another strange. So I, it must be my go to go to response it, by saying that something's a bit weird,
0: because
2: <laughs> I seem to answer every question with that. <laughs> but it, um, when we've done uh, all of the live streams, and and it's brilliant. My my partner Angie sits on a laptop um, because I find it really difficult to type and play guitar. Um, <laughs> Amateur. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I haven't managed that, that that whole using my feet thing properly yet, <laughs> even for walking. But yeah, um, just um, she she sits there and has conversations and and chats and answers because people are, <laughs> are the the funniest things. Um, I've I've got songs with singalongs in them, um, for instance. I declare shenanigans, which has got an oi 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 chorus sing along. You know the song.
0: Right? Mm.
2: And because of the lag between, I find it quite confusing because I'll play shenanigans, yeah, and then I'll be in the middle of the next song and scrolling up the, the left hand side on my computer is people typing oi oi oi, yeah, or. And there's literally, you know, there, there might be sixty people typing oi oi oi, and it's flicking past. And I look at it and going, what what are they saying? What are they saying? And then I forget what song I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: but you've uh, so you've obviously adapted through the challenges, and um, and and you've actually been very supportive. You've you've raised a, a lot of money too, which if yeah. I hadn't mentioned, I know you wouldn't. Um, because it's the kind of person you are, um, and that's, um, you know, a credit to you, etc. So we're now towards the back end. 2020 is almost behind us. world isn't going to look vastly different when we wake up in on January the 1st, 2021. So what's your mindset and your plan for the, the kind of the latter part of winter going into spring and summer?
2: I've used as much time as I could. Um writing probably earlier than i would have done uh following the last album um i'd have probably spent this year charging around the country gigging and promoting and selling my product um Mm. and then started looking at songs but obviously with an enforced stop on that and, and 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 you know we get musicians get inspiration from various places and i and i've deliberately right i thought it really did because <laughs> because you can imagine if it's some if as a songwriter you're kind of a commentator on sometimes what's happening or what's going on or a feeling i am buggered if i'm gonna write anything about the lockdown right because I, I i don't want i don't want to write a song about it okay um I don't know why i feel like that i just do i i couldn't bring myself i i I just don't i I think there'll be a lot of lockdown songs and a lot of lockdown albums and i i don't want to be one of them i want to maintain the songwriting path that i'm on uh which i think i've managed to um i've written about some really really (laughs) really really dark stuff um which is, is probably a knock on from lockdown and I've just found a different outlet for it, you know, um, and, and some happy stuff. And but I've, I've picked some different subjects to write about than, than normal. Um, so I've used, I've used writing, um, uh, or used the time to, to write. Um, actually I, I decided I was going to be the next Van Gogh, um, at one point during lockdown, I went and bought myself some canvases and acrylics <laughs> to have a go because it was something that I just thought I've never had the time to sit down and actually have a go at this. And um, and they're awful. They're terrible. Right. I mean, they don't look
1: according but, to you.
2: Yeah. But I, I got quite a few messages of people going, you know, that picture that you you posted. Yeah. Can I have it? exactly went, that's I went, why i said
1: according to you the, the,
2: I, went, I went i went yeah you have it carry on so I, I sent a load out um probably about two or three weeks ago i, I sent a load of a load of paintings that i'd done out just because there wasn't room in the garden in the, the shack that i do my painting in there wasn't room to store any more crappy canvases so i posted them all to people <laughs> but anyway yeah so no, i started doing that
1: uh, so you I mean do you have it in your I mean I'm obviously not asking you from a medical perspective um, or, or with any qualification to back it up, but do you have it in your head when you feel that that you know you're going to be able to to stand on the stage in front of a live audience again
0: as as it was,
1: perhaps, or at least in some degree, and I don't okay. mean standing on the front door of someone in Doncaster
0: no, no. or Darlington.
1: Um, <laughs> I'm not sure where it was.
2: <laughs> I think yeah, yeah, it was in Doncaster. Okay, so, yeah, I think there'll be live audience stuff next year, but not how we know it. I think it's 2022 at least, and probably quite reduced because you know another year of. I think that we're going to have another year of uncertainty for various reasons. I think we're going to have another year of uncertainty because of the virus. I think we're going to have a year of uncertainty because of who um, makes decisions for us, um, or certain decisions. You know, without getting political, it's I, I'm, I shake my head at some of the decisions that have been made.
1: The you are fighting it. I can tell you're fighting it. I feel like I you, you want to let rip, but the so the when you are going through some of the low points of this year, there really only two more cool questions to come. One of which is you're in obviously because it's uh, the nature of what you do. You're in common. You're in regular conversation with other musicians, other guitarists, obviously violinists, and others too. It, how is that? Because obviously everyone else is feeling it too. Other musicians are not being able to perform live, having to adapt to live streams, etc. How has having those conversations with other musicians helped or made you feel? Because arguably, you know, a problem shared isn't necessarily a problem half in this scenario. So, what? Um, how has that kind of support, that emotional support, and that that close proximity from a, a conversational perspective with other musicians had an impact on you? During some of the low points of twenty
2: twenty, it's been. um, I've I've got. I've got quite a. Got lots of musical acquaintances, and you know, and and I would call them, you know, they're friends and lots of musicians. There's probably four or five that I would class as people that I could completely open up to. Um, and I think that's quite quite standard throughout musicians. Um, you know, we've we've all got. So, the, the, I mean, the conversations I've, I've spoken to Dan a lot. You know, Dan Booth that we did the album with. Um, I've got a friend Marcus Carter who's a drummer in a band who lives in Sweden. So we've we've kind of had, you know the Swedish way of dealing with it versus the British way of dealing or the English way of dealing with it um so we that's been quite good and it, it's been good speaking to know that you know we're not we're all kind of in the same boat we're we're all we're all struggling a bit and we all lean on each other um a bit i'd say the biggest thing that i've had is i've, I've spoken to quite a lot of um the people that come to the gigs on facetime and had conversations with them and chatted with them and um, stuff like that and the the most heartening thing is just how you know it's, it's really sad how it's affecting them but it's really heartening to know just how much support we've all got from the people that come to Kix. it it's it's insane i mean that my if you we were talking about the percentages earlier on, if you look over the whole year, considering I did a whole tour in January and February with Dan, I was out on the road with him and then a load of gigs myself. So I think I've done by the time lockdown came round, I think i had done about 30, 33, 34 gigs this year already at that point. Wow. Um, but it's not the 150, 160 a year that I'm used to, you know, um, but to have done those thirty, so we we, we got a load um, uh, of stuff with that. But the the percentages, if you look over the whole year, the sixty percent is now merch. You know because we, you know we've uh, we tried not to bludgeon people because people are people are skint. Um, and I, and I don't think anybody has. There's lots of people selling different things, but we the road to Cromlof, we had those lyrics put, and it was a suggestion of someone who came to a, came to a gig uh, that I did in Blackpool. They said the them lyrics, I love them. I've listened to it a lot in lockdown. If you put them lyrics on a T-shirt, I'd buy that. So we drove back home, and Andrew jumped on Photoshop and and did like a mock-up and said, if we did this T-shirt, would anybody be interested? And we sold
0: hundreds. was <laughs>
2: It was it was great. So the over the whole twelve months it's probably sixty percent merch this year, maybe twenty percent, twenty five percent gigs and you know, the rest. But it's it, back to your original question and I, I get off the track all the time. Sorry, it's the you try writing you try writing a song with my brain.
1: Well, so I mean that kind of linked in with the the last question that I had. Although you've I, actually, I I should throw another one in too, because you have taken you have worked as well. You've had taken on additional jobs this year to yeah. to see you through too. Um, yeah. And uh, which kind of just goes to show the the added pressure on having everything taken away from you. So my other question is is about writing. When you're in a situation where you're writing about your own experiences. And yet you don't have any. I mean, you do because there's live streaming and there's still conversations you have, etc. But those li- those experiences are more limited in this year. Has that then h- helped or hindered the actual writing process for you? I think. Um, it, it's probably.
2: It's probably helped me record. The album, uh, not record, sorry, <laughs> I haven't recorded anything. To write the album. Um, and I honestly haven't recorded it. I'm not letting the cat out of the bag or anything. I haven't recorded it. Um, it's probably helped me to write the album that I would have written as the next but one album. Yeah. Right. I think if life had been normal, you'd have maybe got um, a Five Compass Light Ace Volume 2. Yeah. um by which time i'd have been thinking a bit more outside the box and um i think i've probably written that album which will become the next album
1: so we will expect some music from you in 21
2: maybe 2021 possibly 2022 it it, i think you know we whether you're a musician or, or any kind of business person because that's what that's what we are I don't betray myself as much of a business person but I think if I said I'm gonna put an album out in 2021 and there wasn't a viable means to go out and promote it I'm putting an album out for the sake of it I've've it, it's bought me time to potentially record an album that will be more even more thought out than it would have been anyway um which is which is kind of nice because there's always a gun there's always i've always got a gun at my head on a release date because i stupidly pick a release date before we started recording so it's always is that your motivation is that
1: why you do it well is that why you do it for your own motivation I mean, I not say motivation to write, but like if you if you didn't give yourself that deadline, you'd still be recording an album, you know, three months later. I, I don't know.
2: I don't know. It's,
1: Cause I, I assume I you're know. the one holding the gun.
2: Yeah, but but I'm holding the gun, at not only my head. I'm, right. I'm holding it at a producer's head, a someone organising the tour's head, a, various band members' heads and. And, and I'm sick of having that gun pointing at, at myself. So, so this this next album was always going to take longer and be more thought out anyway. So there's there's a, a, a different process that I'm I'm potentially looking at. I still don't know what it's going to be. It might be a band album. It might be a solo album. It might be an album with Dan if he's up for recording it. I've not even got that far yet. I've just song written.
1: Well, um, suggest then that our dear listeners then make a point of subscribing to your social networks so that they can find out as and when it's being recorded or released. So we'll put the um, we'll put the links in the the show notes. Um, but what's the website that people can go to to for the merch, for the lyrics, for the songs, etc.?
2: Okay, that's uh, paulanchor.com
1: Easy as okay. that. Paul, thank you for being so um so open and honest. Um, And and so brilliant. Um, And uh, 2020 has been a rough ride for many, and you've been um, very clear about how it's impacted you. So I hope 2021 is, even if it's only slightly, a better journey for you than this year. So thank you very much, and a Merry Christmas.
2: And the same to you, and the same to all the freelance heroes and everyone. Um, The one thing I've learned this year there's a lot more people worse off than me. So it's I hope
1: everybody has a healthy time. Uh, Paul you're a good man. Thank you very much. Do I love about chatting to freelancers for this podcast? And generally is that you get to find the the kind of the the engine, the heartbeat behind the the skill, the talent, the art that that we so often see on show and today's episode was a, a absolute example of that. Right, I promised you a bit of a festive treat at the end and this is it. It's the 12 Days of Christmas, reworded slightly, check the show notes for the lyrics, uh, by the Freelance Heroes community and sung by a few members of the Freelance Heroes community too. So I will introduce them to you, the unofficial (laughs) Freelance Heroes choir, and as I do that I wish you all a safe, a happy and a very Merry Christmas. Until next week, thanks for listening. Bye for now. On the twelfth
0: day of Christmas My true love came to me Twelve websites working Eleven signs of grievance Ten linked in bites